Hi, good evening. This is Dr. Randy Bach. Today's April 27, 2022, and I'm here with another episode of the Coronavirus Conversation, part of Viral Conversation. And I'm going to begin with uh, an announcement. It's a personal one. Uh, my mother-in-law of 90 years age uh, passed uh, from this mortal coil today. Um, <clears throat> she had been living with us the last nearly nine years uh, in the basement um, as our honored guest and patient, essentially. Um, <clears throat> back around nine years ago, she had thought she wanted to be in hospice. And uh, this is you know, a few years after the loss of her husband. I think there was some emotional aspect to it. She had lost weight. She was about 80 or 90 pounds at the time. And uh, members of her family were looking for hospice for her. Um, I thought she didn't really need that. She needed care, uh, love, and not being on her own any longer. Her mobility had declined. And uh, I invited, along with my wife, we invited her to come stay with us. And we have kind of a partially um, amenable basement, <clears throat> like an in-law apartment, literally, in this case. And um, uh, she's been our guest for the duration. We've taken care of her uh, assiduously. We've had some help from some wonderful people. And uh, we've made some good friendships uh, with those people. Um, and uh, it's been an enterprise, uh, labor of love, uh, and sometimes ardor. Um, for my wife, um, and uh, clearly she's done far more than I ever could, um, and it was, you know, a little bit of a, a struggle here and there, um, but mostly um, it got, went as well as anybody could hope for and expect, and we had closure. Um, all her um, adult siblings and her, excuse me, her adult children and grandchildren um, were also adults at this point, uh, came to visit in the last few weeks, uh, knowing that uh, she was on uh, the final steps. Uh, she didn't have a firm diagnosis. She kind of had an atypical Parkinsonism, and she was very limitedly um, able to move around the last number of years. Um, <clears throat> and even though we had one of those uh, stair escalator type uh, things, um, she never really availed herself of it, but twice in the last eight years or so. And so we would have her up, uh, we would have had her up for um, dinners and Christmas and Easter and uh, things that she celebrated. Um, but for uh, the fact that uh, she really didn't have much interest in that. Um, and um, nonetheless, she was complimentous. She you know, was able to do, uh, you know, complicated crossword puzzles and engage in conversation, play um, kind of Scrabble-like word games up until the very end of the last month or so when she um, became far more debilitated. So um, I offer this uh, um, talk in her memory. Um, you know, certainly she produced uh, wonderful uh, children, um, long lasting relationships, and uh, a lot of love um, as a result that followed. Um, I don't think she was always satisfied towards the end, but uh, her fav favorite phrase, I asked how she was, she'd say, uh, you know, could be better, could be worse. <laughs> I mean, that's a fitting epitaph maybe for uh, many, many things and um, possibly for her as well. So she was valued and she'll be missed. Um, but I bring her up 
uh, and another aspect for this conversation because she has been the focus of a fair amount of our conversation regarding uh, COVID-19 over these last few years uh, because literally she has been in our basement and under our care and we have not done anything extraordinary in her regard. Um, we felt always it was more important that she have personal relationship uh, with us and as a result, um, you know, when we were not ill, uh, we didn't wear masks. She never wore a mask. Uh, she kept up with the vaccinations, um, <clears throat> but I have to say, you know, there was, I mean, she she would have had a fourth vaccination if there was one around. She had all the, the shots and the booster and so forth, um, but it was, you know, somewhat inimical because on another sense, she knew she didn't really want to be around forever. Uh, she could hardly get out of a chair, frankly. It needed, you know, sometimes one or two people to help her get even out of a chair um, the last number of years, so it's not as if uh, she had a a great, um, um, you know, traversing of, of her sphere uh, very much. She wouldn't even agree to go outside. We had strong people here living in the house and would have lifted her and so forth and wheelchaired her around wherever she wanted to go, but never, never that was the case. Uh, so, you know, I had kind of a in joke, which was uh, that she was happy as a clam um, for the duration insofar as a, hand, a clam might be happy in the same aspect, staying in uh, one small uh, enclosed space uh, without moving very much or doing very much. Um, but I, I think that it was an interesting, uh, you know, as a total sidelight, and I don't want to impinge on uh, her memory, but, you know, it, it's not been a shock for us. Uh, you know, we've, we've known for quite some time that these were her final days and weeks and frankly, months and years uh, for the duration. And it's something she, she wished, wished as well. So we engaged with hospice and a priest and, um, you know, she was as prepared as possible. And frankly, she left with honor and dignity. Uh, her, da her daughters, uh, principally my wife, you know, sat with her and uh, did work downstairs just to be with her and um, held her hand even when she was not communicative in the last little bit. So there's a lot of lessons here uh, on the, uh, the length of life. Uh, it's not infinite. Um, and the main ways possibly to handle it. Um, we managed to avoid, uh, you know, putting her in a nursing home, although she had been essentially nursing home level um, uh, of health for the duration of these eight years. She has not been mobile at all. And, um, and, uh, and, and there you have it. But in terms of, you know, some of our previous conversations about COVID-19, um, you know, there's, 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 the aspect, along with you know, not putting her in, in a nursing home and avoiding the impersonality of a nursing home, we try to avoid the impersonality of, of you know, kind of zombie land of, of, of you know, avoiding facial contact. So my wife and um, my sister-in-law would go down and play a quiddler uh, game with her. It's a word game uh, or other you know, kind of games of that sort, um, card games and whatnot and uh, never wore masks. Um, her uh, home health aides uh, were under our private employee. Uh, you know, some of them would wear them on occasion during the worst phases, um, but uh, Arella never did. And we never did, frankly, unless there were some sniffles or something like that. So we treated it rationally and reasonably, uh, understanding that uh, her, she wasn't really signing up for infinite life, uh, nor was it ever to be given to her, and nor was she capable of absorbing that in any event. So, you know, I think it ha you have to have kind of a, a sense of, of life and a sense of its termination and so forth. And so, 
you know, she lived officially till um, a point at which, as of I think yesterday, uh, Dr. Fauci declared the the pandemic over, the pandemic phase of COVID-19 officially over. So we don't really necessarily need his proclamations or his declarations in that regard. Um, but it is mildly ironic. Uh, she did not die from COVID-19. Um, and she went through it. And again, nothing extraordinary on our parts. And that was so that she could have the the essence of home. And she had home cooked meals throughout. My wife made her meals twice a day for nine years. And, you know, that involved a lot of curtailment of our own activities, uh, trips, um, you know, mini vacations and or staying out late and whatnot, because there was a certain timetable. And at, at times, Arella had other needs, you know, when she was more sick from urinary tract infections or colds and whatnot prior to COVID-19. Um, and, and so there was, you know, curtailment of our activities, but it was all part and parcel of, of um, kind of ushering um, Arella to, you know, and, and to and through this, this end phase of life. Um, so I don't have any deep um, um, insights uh, regarding, say, hospice or the end of life and so forth. But you have to kind of treat it with the knowledge that that is where we are all headed, uh, hopefully at a good uh, length of time after um, uh, our full capabilities um, and, and that we've done the things we want to in life. So I recommend you know, that, that you carry on and, and, and you know, live life and enjoy it and so forth with the understanding that it is finite. Um, I, I don't wish death upon anybody, but I also don't wish, you know, absurd kind of over caution and what I call safetyism regarding the life that we do have. And again, so, you know, there was one kind of irony uh, towards the latter phases here. We had a hospice team come in, which was different from our uh, regular team of, of private uh, nursing aides. And uh, they insisted on wearing masks all the time. They were here. They wore masks outdoors when they're talking to us. <laughs> And, you know, I'm kind of a maybe a slightly pedantic, uh, stubborn guy, although really charming <laughs> and witty and, and fun and a nice head of hair. <laughs> I'm joking. But but yes, literally, they, they would wear a mask when talking to us outside. And so you get this you know, muffled, conver muffled conversation. And what's really the point? I, I, it's just kind of weird theater. And um, they say, well, they have to because their employer says they have to. I said, well, you know, it, it, Arella is... You're here because it's hospice and hospice means end of end of end of life. And Arella, I think if anything, would like to you know, see people. Uh, she doesn't get out. You're going to come see her. And, and why not get, afford her the, the, the luxury and the um, dignity and the honor of, of having face-to-face -face communication? Um, but no, they wouldn't do that. So they, they're kind of you know uh, busy little bees doing this and that. And uh, they did all their official things. They changed uh, her bed type. They brought in kind of a lift at certain points. A lot of um, probably, um, you know, Medicare hard cost uh, expenditures that um, somebody's paying for, I guess, maybe us, I don't know, uh, maybe all of you. Um, and and th th there's just kind of a weird machinery um, involved that doesn't have much rationality. Um, and they were, you know, I, I think even if they had had their, their druthers, uh, they would still be wearing the masks. Um, but I told them, you know, I would absolve them because, in fact, you know, Arella had a few weeks at most to live. Um, anyway, there you have it. And, and it wasn't, I mean, it was a point they started coming when Arella was 
um, up and you know, as far as she was up and about, she was sitting in a chair and uh, doing her card games and watching TV and so forth. You know, in the later weeks, maybe it didn't matter as much. Um, they were very effective at uh, providing uh, pain medication. Um, you know, about which I had, um, you know, say mixed feelings because uh, they gave her methadone, uh, which is an opiate. And it really knocked her for a loop. So she was not really able much to speak after they started dosing her with that. Um, then she stopped eating, stopped drinking, and uh, there was death. Um, now, I don't think there's, you know, there was really very little capability on her part. And we're talking maybe a matter of, you know, it, it, it um, uh, you know, precessing, kind of bringing the, the death date forward by, you know, a few weeks or something like that. I think that's immaterial. That's not my point. Um, but you know, they have their own little routine, but I don't think it necessarily always is in accord with um, kind of the, the wholesomeness in the sense that we were trying to apply for the duration. Anyway, um, so I, uh, I'm i going to maybe segue from that a little bit. Um, and I, have, you know, extend my deep condolences and I have to, you know, all members of her family, including my kids uh, for whom she was a grandmother. And uh, uh, she is their last remaining grandparent. Um, and there you have it. Uh, so what else is in the, you know, new in the world of COVID? Um, well, you know, I, I think our world, uh, works on rumor and it works on feelings, uh, in a sense, more than science. Um, and a lot of these, I'm going to try to point out tonight, um, that, that a lot of what you might've been fed along the way is, is, um, more uh, what people want to be true in their sense and sensibility, a little bit like the hospice people wearing masks. They do it because they do it and not necessarily because it's the right or best thing to do. Um, I, I, you know, hopefully we see a change in this. Um, you know, the, um, the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk and taking it private, uh, I think is a hugely uh, sanguine uh, event for humanity. Uh, such as we have it. It is kind of the public sphere. I think there are a number of them. There's, you know, Google, um, there's all the TV networks, um, and then the social media sphere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. But to have one that is going to be open for free speech uh, is an amazing thing. And this is really our bulwark. This is our genuine vaccine. Uh, the genuine virus, I mean, there's a virus, there's a COVID virus. I think it was real all along. But um, you know, say 45% of its, uh, you know, mortality victims were nursing home quality, such as my mother-in-law. Um, and even amongst that population, I think it, it, during the worst phase, only 13% of nursing home um, contacts with the virus uh, pa perished. So even for them, it was, you know, maybe one out of uh, seven uh, or so, one out of eight um, individuals who contacted it died. So that's bad. But on the other hand, those are individuals who would have lived uh, absent um, a COVID vaccine, maybe only a few months anyway. Um, so my mother-in-law did manage to survive COVID. She never got it. Um, and uh, and yet she passed nonetheless. So I guess, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if happiness is involved in that. Um, but the point is, you know, we treated it uh, as we saw fit. We used rationality. Um, and I think that's the way things should be handled. Uh, rationality requires reason. I think it is probably the similar word, um, but rationality is also like refers to ratios where you have to weigh one thing versus another. And 
what we've had so often is um, the ratio where we care about certain things far more than we care about others. And I'm going to try to uh, spend some time on certain of those now. Uh, if you have any questions about anything I've said, uh, please let me know. Um, let's see, what is a good ratio place to start? Um, let's see. So there's an article here. Um, uh, let's, I'm going to maybe pop, pop this uh, into my stream. Uh, this is from the Brownstone Institute, uh, which I recommend. They have really interesting stuff. Uh, Martin Kulldorff, he was one of the uh, Great Barrington Declaration uh, principals, along with Jay Bhattacharya and uh, Sunitra uh, Gupta, maybe, uh, from Oxford. So Stanford, uh, Harvard, and Oxford. Uh, and yet they were uh, pilloried and uh, scorned and shunned and scarlet lettered by um, Drs. Collins and Fauci uh, back at the initiation of the um, declaration, I think in this, maybe the spring or summer of 2020. And all they had said was, as part of the Great Barrington Declaration, uh, was, and it's mentioned here, um, uh, was to be sensible, to have what's called here focused protection, um, and uh, in which the vulnerable would be kept, kept safe, such as we did with my mother-in-law, and the rest of us, children and young adults, would be able to get on with their lives. Uh, I know pretty much for a fact that, that Arella LeBlanc would have uh, wanted that. She, um, towards the end, maybe got a little more kind of self-centered, um, but I don't think she wanted her granddaughters to um, stay indoors for a couple of years, such as maybe elderly might have, or be masked, or avoid uh, a life of dating, which might help further their uh, chances of starting their own families uh, down the line, nor her grandsons either. Um, anyway, so here's, yeah, I got, I guess I got this right. There's Bhattacharya, Kuldorf, and Gupta. Um, and, and, and Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci wrote a private letter, and they, 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 they call these three fringe epidemiologists who deserve to be the subject of a media takedown. And this actually happened. And so the, 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 the Musk news is big because Facebook and Google followed suit. And, and Twitter, uh, I'm pretty sure, did as well. I had Jay Bhattacharya on my show uh, maybe two, three months ago. And I recommend you watch that. And he was here uh, talking with uh, Reason Magazine's uh, Nick um, Gillespie, I think. Um, so what else? So, so here we have Dr. Fauci, uh, the the um, uh, U.S. out of the pandemic phase of the COVID-19. Yay. Uh, that's sort of so obvious. Anyway, so here's the article I was uh, bringing up um, that Dr. Kuldorf today uh, or last week wrote, have people been given the wrong vaccine? And I'm not going to read everything from this, but uh, the real point here is this is a Danish study, and this is one of the only ones that was done in a randomized controlled trial. Um, so what is that? I, I mean, the best kind is, is double-blinded, randomized control where neither the patients nor the doctors know who is getting what treatment and so forth. But in this case, uh, I'm not sure it was a treatment one. So, um, but, so the, these type of studies uh, randomized uh, help to avoid bias between people who are watching um, uh, what's going on. So I'm not going to get into the details of the study, but you can uh, click through to this and, and find out the study. But to cut to the chase here, uh, maybe I'll make this a little bit bigger. Um, the um, There was overall very little 
benefit of either of the vaccine types. But insofar as either one benefited, the older version, the adenovector, adenovirus vector, um, such as uh, were in, uh, uh, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, uh, had, had a, a difference between the deaths of the vaccinated versus the deaths of the controls. So this was mostly in the young healthy group. And they had 16 out of 70,000 in the vaccinated group die and 30 out of the control. So that was good. I mean, mind you, there's both minuscule numbers. They're talking about 30 out of 50,000. That's um, literally, you know, less than one in a thousand people dying in these age groups. But lo and behold, it was a little bit better amongst the vaccinated. Amongst the mRNA vaccines, uh, there was no difference. So this, I don't know. I mean, it could be that the vaccine giveth and the vaccine taketh away. So far as it might have been protecting against the uh, the COVID-19, it might have its own set of problems and symptoms amongst the younger people. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this one, but you should. You should check it out. I'll give a link to it. Um, what else is in the new world of, uh, of COVID? I mean, there's still you know things hanging around over our heads regarding COVID-19. Um, and here uh, you might you know remember uh, from the last couple of weeks we've uh, talked about uh, Shanghai. These are um, this is mass testing in Beijing begins. Those who refuse risk prison time. Um, so everyone's standing outdoors. They're all healthy, and they all have to be tested. Uh, craziness. Uh, this is a great, great quote from Albert Einstein. Two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe. Um, why we have to do this, you know, and so, and here it's written, because health with people stuck together in huge line for hours. Um, so if, if in fact there's going to be, you know, anybody catching anything, then getting everyone together is certainly not a way to avoid that. Um, there's some other things going on with Twitter. Um, this is on our own shores. Um, I don't know if you can hear the audio or not, but um, he, this man record, uh, records school teachers refusing to uh, say whether they have gotten parental consent uh, of kids uh, being tested on a random basis. Uh, where is this? Um, I'm not sure where this is, but this is the U.S. And, um, you know, this has just been kind of a weird kind of tale, um, you know, the, the tail wagging the dog. And we are the dog, they're the tail. They are uh, a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. They're, you know, they're not using magic, but they're using um, force and and the concept that, that they have to be right in order to make people do the things that they want them to do. This is, you know, th these are not teachers' kids. Uh, Joe Biden just, I guess, uh, yesterday was saying while they're in school, they are teachers' kids. They are not. Whose kids are they is really the question. They're your kids. Uh, they don't, they've never been at any risk of having illness. And here they are still uh, still masked. Um, tiny little kids, a couple of years into this, this is pointless. And then they're being tested. They're getting stuck, stuff stuck up their noses. This is the wrong message um, to be giving to kids ever. And certainly now uh, when all of this is all done. Now, I don't know why Shanghai is going through all this, uh, but they are under the People's Republic of China, Communist uh, Party. Uh, we so far are not, but we can't act that way. We have to be stronger. Um, 
along the same lines, uh, the um, Pfizer is asking the FDA to authorize COVID boosters for kids five to 11 years old. So in, in light of the fact here that, that these mRNA boosters don't really do anything much to reduce um, younger people's um, mortality anyway, and given that kids don't have the illness at all, uh, why is this, you know, why is this going on? I, I don't really know. I don't have an answer for that. Um, it's, it's, you know, a little bit ghoulish uh, to have, you know, keep persisting, uh, kind of terrorizing uh, young kids, and they are your kids. Um, you have to figure this out. You just rely on them to do it. They're going to think for you, and they're going to do stuff for you. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but the uh, the city of I can't, I, I'm not subscribing to the New York Times, but the city of Philadelphia, let's see if I can just uh, redo this. The city of Philadelphia will, wants to reinstate the mask mandate. I don't know if they went ahead and did that or not. Um, you know, they, they need to be fought back. And, and you know, the opening up of Twitter is, is one of the places where people can start fighting back uh, for public opinion. Um, a friend of mine brought this up today. This is the World Health Organization uh, page, and they're talking about COVAX. Um, working for global equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, I'm not sure that's completely necessary. Uh, the concept here is that uh, the poor countries uh, should get vaccine in concert with and at the same pace with you're getting it. So if you're paying full freight and you have to give extra ones for, you know, obviously there's 330 million people in the United States and 7 billion people worldwide, um, you know, potentially you'd have to give out, if it's just the United States, you'd have to give out 20 vaccines for every one you develop for yourself in order to have complete uh, so-called um, vaccine equity. But but this is, you know, my friend was pointing this part out. With a fast-moving pandemic, no one is safe until everyone is safe. Uh, that, that makes literally no sense. If you have a vaccine, you think the vaccine works, you've had that vaccine, you are safe. So you wouldn't necessarily need to vaccine vaccinate everybody on earth for anybody else to be safe. Uh, and frankly, you know, if you vaccinated uh, some of the more mobile people, such as Indonesia did uh, early on, uh, the vectors uh, for vaccine, you'll probably do better than vaccinating the people in the cul-de-sacs, you know, nursing homes and so forth. I mean, it's fine to do them at some point, but, you know, the people who are the transmitters, um, if you game, you know, kind of game theory this, um, you, you do them first. So this is sort of nonsensical. Um, this kind of becomes one of these equity concepts, um, uh, vaccine equity. It's only impossible until it's done. Well, sure, but but they don't necessarily need the same vaccines. You know, the, the, you know in Africa, for instance, where I'm, I'm just, actually, I don't know if this is Africa, but um, this looks like India based on the Sanskrit in the back. But, you know, parts of Africa, frankly, most of Africa really didn't suffer much at all um, through COVID-19 in terms of mortality and whatnot. Maybe they weren't data collecting, but in, in large part, it's probably because the population is younger. I think it's a full, you know, life expectancy is is probably 15 years less through most of sub-Saharan Africa, aside from Union of South Africa, um, uh, or country of South Africa itself, um, <clears throat> than it is, say, in Japan or, uh, you know, good vast swaths of the uh, more industrialized Western uh, countries. So, you know, they probably need when, when you you know devote all your money and time into this kind of mythical problem, you given that money is finite, uh, you are avoiding, say, you know, potentially yellow fever vaccines or malaria treatment, so forth. The, 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 the you know, health dollar, if you kind of slow everything down, you're going to be probably 
you know, crippling your own efforts at treating COVID-19 for the elderly, which we have more of here, uh, then, uh, and then you would he be helping uh, problems where they're for the young there. So if the problem in, in Africa is malaria and you're giving them COVID-19 vaccine, you're not really helping. You think you are, you're doing virtue signaling, but you're not necessarily helping. Um, as far as, uh, this may be cutting back a little bit, but this is an article from 2003, I believe. Uh, as far as the pandemic phase of the uh, uh, United States out of the pandemic phase of COVID-19, uh, he says that uh, we're you know, never gonna get rid of this problem. Um, um, here you go, the health advisor warned, we're not going to eradicate this virus. Well, sure. Um, and, and the reason is because they mutate into, um, and they self-attenuate into milder and milder versions. Um, so this is going an article way before um, Corona, you know, COVID-19 or, or uh, it's kind of coincident with SARS, I guess. But I just want to point out that, you know, a good fraction of, of the common cold always has been coronavirus. You know, there are more rhinoviruses. We don't have vaccines to rhinoviruses. Uh, we have vaccines to influenza. We don't really, I, I think they'll probably come up with some vaccines to RSV, but we don't have one to enter, you know, adenovirus or enterovirus and so forth. So a lot of these common colds are common and they're common colds. They're just get a cold, some sniffles and so forth. You don't need to, to shoot every mosquito with a shotgun. Uh, you don't need to shoot every cold virus uh, with vaccines. And, and so it, you need to get some rationality, you know, COVID, I don't know how these other coronaviruses got there to be common cold, but they certainly might've gone through the same pathway uh, that this one did. I think there might've been a coronavirus, uh, I think the uh, so-called Russian flu uh, from 1909 or something like that was a coronavirus. And, and what happened to that? It probably just, you know, kind of self-attenuated down into a milder version. Um, you know, right now the, 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 I don't know, Omicron B12 or whatever it is, some B9 or something like that, whatever the number is, uh, you're welcome to go pursue this, but obviously there are more important things uh, going on around the world. Um, and on a personal basis, we have some uh, more important things as well. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to just see one of these um, um, comments here uh, from a nurse I know. mRNA vaccines have had a scary track record with healthy males having cardiac issues. So this persistent push to keep vaccinated healthy is ghoulish. Not one healthy person should die to fuel big pharma uh, profits. Well, um, bravo and kudos to that. Um, I think I might um, call it a day uh, on personal news. Um, uh, I am working on the print versions of my overturning Zika book. Uh, you can find it on Amazon in the uh, ebook version. Uh, if you want a paper version, that should be ready. I'm saying hmm, uh, maybe within the end of this, by the end of this week. Um, I am simultaneously working on a, um, a Brazilian uh, version and a couple comic books uh, to help explain the um, the absence, the presence of an absence, the uh, fact that Zika never recurred. Uh, these are your health people, uh, your health professionals um, at work and you should uh, take them with a grain of salt. I guess I'm gonna add one thing I, I meant to uh, get to uh, tonight, I skipped over it. Um, and I'm just putting this, this is not quite pertinent to COVID-19, but this is your pe public health people. And I just wanna, um, you know, Michael Knowles pointed out to me, um, and I remember that, you know, the, the root word of, of public health, public, uh, Publius is the same basically as politics. And you should keep in mind that public, your public health servants uh, might not be quite servants, uh, but might want to be the bosses. And and what they're doing 
is um, um, oftentimes in their own interests, political versus your interest um, as far as health. So the emphasis is probably more on the political part of public health than the health part. And so this doctor uh, in New York City, I guess she's the chief medical officer at the Department of Health. Um, she touted a new birth equity initiative to provide more midwives and doulas uh, to moms series of tweets. But the interesting part was uh, that uh, they got to be called these birthing people. I had a birthing person. I actually loved my birthing person. She's no longer with her. May she rest in uh, peace, uh, my mother. Uh, the urgency of the moment is of this moment is clear. Mortality rates of birthing people are too high. And here's the funny part. Babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in the city are three times more likely to, et cetera. But here, the, the black and Puerto Rican get to be mothers. And every time it's not black and Puerto Rican, here we go, are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people. So if you're white and Puerto Rican, you are a mother. If you're white and not Hispanic, you're a birthing person. Um, I don't know. I mean, that seems sort of, you know, it's called here racism and hate speech, whatever. I mean, you, you, I don't want to get too deep in this argument, but, um, uh, you know, pe people are, have their own pursuing their own kind of agendas. Um, and you got to be careful that you try to pursue your own agenda rather than everyone else's. Uh, I'm going to take, remove this. Um, God bless my mother-in-law. I hope she has a peaceful uh, passage and uh, gets to enjoy herself in a more mobile form uh, as a, a living angel uh, that she was in many ways, um, joining her husband and her childhood friends and relatives. Um, we'll, we'll miss her. Um, and uh, as far as how things are, it couldn't be better. It could be better, it could be worse. I hope things stay better for you. And uh, if you feel so inclined, uh, please drop by uh, Amazon and find my book, Overturning Zika. I'd appreciate any reviews you can make of that, especially if they're positive. And, um, and I wish you a pleasant evening and, uh, and, uh, I don't know, and peace in your own thoughts. Thanks. Have a good night.